I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Curzon Film Podcast. I'm Sam Howlett and this week I'm joined by Jake Cunningham. Hello. And Jenna Hobbs. Hiya. Uh, This week we're talking about Ken Loach's uh, first film since announcing his retirement, uh, I, Daniel Blake. Uh, So it's the film that's got him back in the habit of directing. Uh, Based on a script by Paul Leverty, who's written the past few Ken Loach films, the film is Ken Loach's usual style of social realism in the UK. Uh, but before we get on to that, we have a question. Which films would you like to see directed by Ken Loach? Well, um, I think a lot of the more recent kind of big superhero films, I'm thinking Captain America Civil War, mm-hmm. uh, X-Men Apocalypse, Batman Superman, a lot of the issue has been down to uh, the people on the ground during these films that just become uh, collateral damage and no one's actually thinking about the real people, <laughs> all right, in superhero films. Because mm-hmm. everyone's always focusing on the big guys in their suits that are controlling the world, you know? <laughs> but you know who Ken Loach would focus on? He'd focus on the people on the ground. The man on the ground. Exactly. And who do you think the real heroes are? <laughs> I like it, Jake. Yeah. yeah. So Ken Loach's Avengers 2022. What would it be after- called? Uh... I don't know. I, Steve Rogers. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> um, I want to see Ken Loach direct Bridget Jones, the next one. Bridget Jones' Baby's Baby or something like that. Oh, no, I like Bridget Jones, the next one. They <laughs> <laughs> get lazy. Yeah, well, I think that he'd give uh, Daniel Cleaver a bit more of a conscience. We'd delve more into Colin Firth's life as a barrister. Yeah. I just think there's a lot more depth in Bridget Jones that people haven't discovered yet. And we already saw in Baby that Colin Firth has become this kind of social justice yeah, lawyer. Yeah, he's as well. working for Pussy Riot, isn't yeah, he? So, yeah. yeah. yeah I think that, so That's what I want to see next. And what would it be called? So, Bridget Jones, the next one, directed by Ken Loach. Yes, yes. I'd like to see him do a Bond film. Budget Bond. Oh, I Budget Bond. I Budget Bond. <laughs> no, no, no nice cars, no nice suits, just wearing like a Mac, walking down the road. Yeah. And it's Bond. The, the bad guy is the state. Yes. The government. The system. And you've got David Cameron going, it is me, James, yeah. the of all <laughs> your pain. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so let's get into it. I, Daniel Blake, it opened on Friday. How important is this film? 
I think very important. I think this is stuff that we're reading about in the newspapers and I know for myself kind of ignoring more than I think is okay to ignore. And yeah, seeing it on film really brought it all home to me what's going on at the moment in some parts of the country. Yeah, I think um, actually uh, Northern England doesn't get represented on uh, British cinema screens a lot. And for... We're down in the southeast. It's not the, like we don't see things like this in our mm-hmm. cinema screens that often, and it, it can take you back, and it really does. It, I think, it is an important film that a lot of people should be seeking out, particularly those of us that aren't more geographically aware mm-hmm. of uh, a lot of people's situations. Yeah, I think this is a world away from where we are mm. right now, like in our studio. Oh, so definitely. It was a, quite a shock to see this in a film, mm. not in a, not in a news story. Yeah, so I, I I agree. I think it's a very important film. Uh, let's just go over the plot very quickly. So the film's about a a joiner, Daniel Blake, played by uh, Dave Johns, and he's told by his doctor that he's too ill to work, but then he's not ill enough to uh, receive benefits. And the film's just really about people coping with the mess of the benefit system. Um, so how do you think this will compare to other social realist films like... Do you think it's different enough, or do you think it's that same kind of slightly de- very, very very kind of downbeat look? Yeah, unfiltered it, it, look. At reality? It is downbeat. It is unfiltered. I think it is a lot more melodramatic as well. I think it it does go it to the worst places mm-hmm. that this system can go to. But I think a lot of the time that's what people need. Like mm. you need to really show people the worst of things to say not necessarily this is everyone but this is some people and mm. um, I saw Dave Johns on Twitter last night some kind of troll account right. said to him like why are you doing this film it's like this that's pretending to be an everyman film and he replied saying like, it's not necessarily an everyman film but the events that happen in this film have happened to mm-hmm. people mm. and stuff like this is happening every day yeah not to everyone but also you know how far away are you if something goes wrong you can't go to work and you don't have people that you can rely on mm. you've got to rely on the state and then the state isn't there for you mm. and it does really give you a sense of realism as to how things do happen Mm-hmm. Like, um, often, like I don't know, you might see someone that's sadly homeless, and you go past them, and you might think, "I wonder how that actually happened." And then this this film really makes you think, "Core, it's actually really easy and quite simple mm-hmm. how that happened, and it is just a massive failing mm-hmm. of uh, a person's system that is meant to be helping them." We talked there about you. Know, this is something that happens. You recognise it as being something that happens. Does everything in the film ring true for you guys? Like. Do you do you see it as pure realism and pure like cinema in the way in its purest form that there's no sensationalizing it? It's all just very low key. This is real. We're trying to represent life at its most real. Um, did that? Did it pay think, off for you? I think in that Ken way? Loach would want us to think that, mm-hmm. but for me, I don't completely go with it. The most believable. Um, and best sections for me are Daniel Blake's frustrations. Mm-hmm. Those, the smaller moments where you just get more frustrated than kind of like outwardly aggressively angry, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so this kind of, I don't know, it's like the trial, isn't it? Like uh, mm-hmm. this never-ending sequence of getting online to fill in this form, to fill in that God. form, and like there's the best moments are when he's. Tr- 
he doesn't really know how to use a computer, know how to use the internet, and he's trying to fill in a form. And everyone knows the feeling of when you fill in something online uh, that's taken ages, and then you click through to the next page, and it says, error, you missed like please check One the box point, yeah. yeah it's and the most you, frustrating thing in the world yeah and you have to go back a page and then you think oh and then you've got to fill in all of it again and that makes us really frustrated but it also makes us think how privileged we are that we can actually say stuff like oh this is the most annoying <laughs> thing in the world <laughs> 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 well, also that we're doing this for things that aren't really that important, like my ASOS order, and yeah. not for, like you know the money that's going to get me through the next few months. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about some of the actors. I've mentioned him earlier. Dave Jones uh, plays Daniel Blake. He's a comedian. Yeah, I believe. And for me, he really carries the film. I think without him, this would be way just too uninteresting. I think. Yeah, I think um, you can really tell he's a comedian in his acting because he has this kind of charm and charisma to him. Yeah, and it would be easy to just be a downbeat, downtrodden person. Mm-hmm. But the cruelty in yeah. the film is that he is relatively optimistic. Yeah, and I think yeah, because John's is a comic and he's got that timing. Like, yeah, even if it's just like a wider-eyed look or a smile, he just it's at the right time, mm-hmm. and that's what makes you empathise with Blake. He has some snappy lines as well. Yeah. Yeah. He is funny. Yeah, I really liked him. But I also really equally liked the actress playing Katie. That was uh, Hayley Squires. Yeah, I thought she was amazing. I yeah. re- like, I thought she conveyed so many emotions in just a few looks. She had that uh, kind of the downtrodden and the desperation in like yeah. every shot of her. She just looked racked with worry at all times. And she gets, she gets the big scene, mm-hmm. I would say, and yeah. she handles it mm. really well. So we should say to people that haven't seen the film that uh, Katie is a single parent that Daniel befriends in the benefits office um, and they form this platonic relationship which I thought was again something else that really carried the film Mm -hmm. and elevated it above just being very downbeat social commentary that there's something really human in this rather than just bleating about how the system's broken well, they formed like a surrogate family for each other almost. Yeah. And the relationships that they formed made you kind of believe in people and that there there are good things that still happen even in the darkest of times, I thought. And that, that kind of sense really carried the film through for me and made it much less depressing than it already was. Yeah, I think they could have gone down the route of where Daniel Blake is completely isolated mm-hmm. and completely alone. No one is listening to him at all. He So uh, there's context given that his wife has died after a Ill- long illness... And um, yeah, he lives on his own, but he's surrounded by people he's friends with. So he's his neighbour, yeah. people from his work. And he's, as we said, he's so charming and friendly that he seems to be able just to talk to anyone. Um, but yeah, they could have gone down another route with this where he's a complete loner. Yeah, and, that and, would I, have think, been and I think unwatchable. perhaps we would have a perception that people that end up in situations like this yeah. may uh, have a lo- loner tendency. Uh, inclusive. In it, yeah. yeah. So the screenplay written by Paul Laverty. Um, what did you think of the script overall? I thought that the script was very on the nose. But I, as I said earlier, I think when films are trying to make a political point and they actually... Like this film is, is not... It's not trying to make you read in the undercurrent of it and read what it's trying to say uh, metaphorically. It is just outwardly saying the things it believes in. Mm-hmm. 
And I, although it is not subtle in any way, I actually kind of respect it for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. It's brave. Yeah. Yeah, it's not trying to hide it through metaphor or layer it, just going for it. This is what we think. Mm. Let's just cut cut out all the... Tr- trim all the fat. Let's just go for it. And I think that pays off. Mm. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think there's times when it's um, a little melodramatic and sometimes you hear things that don't necessarily feel like natural dialogue, but I think you can forgive it for that because it it's, you know, doing something that's so great and lots of the scenes are very natural. The relationship between all the characters feels really natural with Daniel Blake and Katie's two children. Um, I Yeah, I, th- I do think it's great. I think at times it, it's a little melodramatic, but I think that that doesn't really matter. Yeah, um, there is some dialogue... Through, there's a number of times in the film where it feels like, I don't know, Ken Loach sound bites. Mm. And Laverty, I know they've written together before, yeah. um, but probably this would be the most outwardly political film. And it's just, it, like, there's bits where it's a little girl sort of saying, like, You helped us, Daniel. Let us help you. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, which is kind of above her kind of level of thinking for her age, and it does feel like someone's fed her that line rather yeah. than it's natural. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, and though that kind of dialogue fills uh, a number of moments in the film. And um, plot-wise, um, yeah, it loses it for me in the more bleaker dramatic moments, like where it does take one of pe- take people to yeah. the worst possible outcome. That just seems like it's trying too hard for me, yeah. I thought. To, I thought I thought that most the film was felt true enough and relevant enough without those scenes. Mm. Uh, but it's interesting to talk about the script though because this has got Ken Loach out of retirement. Mm. So a few years ago, after he, The Angels Share, I believe it was his last film, he said, "No, that's it for me. I'm done." And this is the script that's pulled him back in. So he must have seen something in it that really spoke to his his nature. That you think I'm the only person that can make this film, I have to do it. Yeah, and it feels really current as well. Like, yeah. It was only shot October last year, mm. which is the crazy thing. If it mm-hmm. came, premiered at Cannes, which was May or June, June, so they would have only had a month, let's say a couple of months shooting, and then four or five months to turn around the edit. Like it's crazy. Yeah. And and so he must have just found some like early last year only maybe even only a year ago like he found this script mm-hmm. and it was just because it feels like at times like a documentary oh, because definitely. it feels so right now like we're watching a news report yeah it's so current it's stuff that you're reading about in the newspaper all the time that he's showing on on film and i think that that's what's so important and that's why film is important because it brings these things to reality for us um, you know, like things like the food bank, we all know that uh, people going to food banks has risen astronomically in the past few years, and yet that's something that I don't think we've confronted, well, I personally hadn't confronted the reality of, and watching a film where these people are going to a food bank, a food bank really made me think about that. I think it's really important. Yeah, I think as well that you say we see this on the news all the time, but then that's that's all it is for us. Mm-hmm. It's just something we see on the news, and it's, happened, it's, it's on so much now that we're not bored of it, but they were desensitised to yeah. it. It's just that's just life now. Yeah. A lot of, for a lot of people, they just think, oh, that's just the way it is. And we and we'd rather we'd rather watch news stories about Donald Trump saying something stupid than people in our own country actually suffering. Yeah. So I suppose this is Ken Loach's way of saying it's still going on. I can't believe I'm still protesting this, but here we go again. This is still happening. You need to be reminded that this is still happening. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is down to the kind of the look of the film as yeah. well. 
uh, the cinematographer, I've forgotten his name, um, but he really kind of captures uh, Blake as this integral part of the city as well. Mm. Like the way that they dress him, it's in this kind of like burgundy brown clothes mm-hmm. and it almost looks like a brick. <laughs> like, yeah. like that he almost like blends in with the uh with the buildings of the city. Like and it's kind of saying, I don't know, this could be one of anyone, but also this is a guy that's holding up the city yeah. as could anyone else. I think the city's really important in the film as well. It's important that it's set in Newcastle because he there's a lot of the film is set him, of him walking outside walking around like you said around the buildings around these sort of work sites so yeah I think it's a, a very key part to this story mm. the city and the community comes across really well you know he yeah. keeps bumping into people who are supportive who are friendly who are nice it, it comes across as a great place to be which you know given the circumstances of the film it might not come across like that mm. there's a lot to discuss for this film in the spoiler section, I think as well. So we're going to, we're holding back a little bit at the moment. But just quickly, I wanted to talk about the fact that so you mentioned earlier that this played at the at the Cannes Film Festival, and it actually won the Palme d'Or, the best film prize there, uh, which I don't know for me is a strange choice for this to win best film. Uh, why do you think this? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today one best film at Cannes um, because the only thing I thought was that Cannes and festival awards should really um, usually award films that are different that are new that are fresh and this in terms of filmmaking felt very old fashioned and very simple which it's trying to do but it's just strange to give this a filmmaking award when it's so simple and low key yeah um I would perhaps say that maybe the political um, climate in France at the moment had something to do with it because they're in a very kind of similar situation that perhaps we are in that things yeah. are like the conservative side of things is going further yeah. and further. It is an international to... jury though. It's not just yeah. the French jury. No. But I think that's the same for all of Europe every, or, yeah. and America. Look at it. We're moving more and more to the right and we're becoming more and more polarised in political yeah. opinion I think. Maybe that's why. Yeah, and there, there could well be that, I mean, there is perhaps a larger liberal audience within the people that go to film festivals and cover them for press. So you think it's a politically motivated award? I, I'm not saying like no. that that's it, but... Um, Possibly. Yeah, they, that could be something behind it, and I think it's a good statement by Cannes yeah. as a festival to award it this as well. I'm not... I, I'm completely fine with this, having yeah. that award. Me too. 
having seen it now, yeah. I'm very actually quite yeah, it's a nice thing to say that Ken Loach came out of retirement and won the Palme d'Or with a really important film. Yeah, and I don't think it's them kind of going, Oh, it's Ken Loach. We yeah, better give him it a didn't award. feel like he'd like it wasn't like a Leonardo DiCaprio where, oh he hasn't had one yet, let's give him one. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, this is his second Palm d'Or, Ken Loach as well, mm. after the one that shakes the barley. Uh, it's also crazy that George Miller was the head of the jury who directed Mad Max Fury Road because this is worlds away from <laughs> George Miller films but again I like that yeah it's a nice little uh, little concept um, okay anything you want to discuss before we go into spoiler territory no I was trying to think of a joke like mad Ken furious <laughs> it's good yeah, yeah. Uh, that's all I got oh, I just want to talk about how angry the film made me at, at times as well yeah like really quite angry mm. um, but I think we'll get to that more in the spoiler yeah, section yeah uh, but I think it's quite rare for me to get angry at a film. Yeah. And I did. I was quite fru- very sort of frustrated, annoyed. And we watched it at nine yeah. o'clock in the morning, so it really set us up for a good day. Didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought about it all day, and I think that that is the great thing about this film, is it keeps you thinking and it doesn't let you forget. Yeah, you, I almost want to encourage people to watch it during the day rather than at night. Like, because you don't want to watch it and then go to sleep and forget it. No, you yeah. need to think about this and you need to bring it up with people yeah. as well, I think. Didn't you say that someone spoke, said on uh, Twitter, oh, I saw Daniel Blake and told my friend about it at work and they started crying. Yeah, yeah. Those, like, who hadn't even seen the film, but just telling yeah. them about different moments about it and even just hearing about it. Mm-hmm. And that brings... Uh, well, that makes someone cry. Yeah. You think? I think that proves how underseen mm. uh, this area of society actually yeah. is. For me, it wasn't that it made me sad. Just, just angry. Yeah, yeah. Definitely made me sad. I was <laughs> yeah. a little bit of an emotional wreck when we left the cinema. <laughs> okay, so uh, that's I, Daniel Blake. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, please go out and do so, and then come back and uh, listen to what we have to say about uh, the third act stuff in the film. So I have some issues with the kind of spoilery stuff that we're going to talk about, um, mainly the ending which I thought didn't do a good job of sort of carrying the film off. I didn't like it that he died. I didn't think that was a very good plot point. Yeah, and I think you could see it coming from the first 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I didn't see it coming because I thought it didn't make... S- this This wasn't that film. Yeah. I thought the film was... Yeah, it's about Daniel Blake, but it's more about the wel- the welfare system. It wasn't necessarily purely a character study. Yeah. And having the film end with him dying just seemed, I don't know, it just seemed not, sli- yeah, it seemed slightly pointless. I mean, is he, a, ma- is he a martyr? Not really, because he doesn't die for anything. Like, he doesn't even get to win, not, not beat the system, but he's about, because he's about to, like, but- triumph over the system in, in a way. And then just to kill him off before he gets to do that seemed... I just don't think this film can have a happy ending. I think it, that there aren't that many happy endings and I don't think that, that Ken Loach could give Daniel Blake a happy ending and make it seem like it was all okay uh, because it's not and I don't think that's the story he wants to tell. So what's his options really other than to let Daniel die? Because... Well, for me, the worst ending would have been effectively to restart the cycle. Mm-hmm. I, I think the either the... Like the 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 retrial for his um was it health? Check. Oh, it doesn't go well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and <coughs> or it does go. Bless you. Thank you. Um, 
it does go well, um, but then he has to fill in another yeah. thing online, or just leave us with the idea that Blake is stuck mm-hmm. in this system, and it's actually it's torturous to just remain in it and just constantly going round. And it's not like I'm saying like, oh, him dying was the easy way out, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's not it's for me not as actually infuriating as if he was left in it well because he's escaped it in some way yeah but, it's, you, but then it makes you think for Katie you know she, Daniel was the only person that Katie had yeah now she's completely alone yeah but I think Daniel kind of gave her something yeah he like, like effectively gifted her a bit of belief mm-hmm. even though he was failed by it and he gave her a bookshelf he did beautiful bookshelf yeah it's very nice lovely lots of wooden fish yeah mm. Uh, yeah, I think that it should have ended with him saying the speech himself in the appeals office and I then end there before you hear the appeals decision. I just think that would have been a ni- it would be nice to end as it started with Daniel. Yeah. Uh, I think that's too hopeful, Sam. You know, you hear that speech, which is really rousing, and you think, of course, these people are going to listen to that. And and then what? They do and it, everything's OK and it's packaged up nicely or they don't and it, mm. he's back it's stuck in the system again. Or what about in the loo, and he's like looking at himself in the mirror just before he goes into this trial, and you just kind of see him have a little stumble. And you don't go through all the the funeral and all that. Yeah, and you don't know. Well, it's like, could that be a heart attack? Did he just trip? Mm, Like the the inception. This is why we need Ken Loach (laughs) doing blockbusters. (laughs) Christopher Nolan's I, Daniel Blake. I just it, for me when you sometimes when you kill a character off it is a bit of a easy way out. How we how do we end this film? Ah, let's just kill them. Yeah, because then, well, then you don't have to wrap up their story. It's uh, wrapped up for you, but whether by them being dead. Yeah, I, I did quite like how unceremonious it was um, that you don't actually see him die. Yeah, uh, and they just go in and he's like just at the bottom of the frame and he's being crowded round. And I like this idea that suddenly everyone is around him and everyone is trying to effectively care for him mm-hmm. at this point and he's completely overcrowded by them and we don't even see him in this final moment really he's just completely covered so we yeah we've mixed opinions then about the ending of the film but uh do you want to just go through some stand-up scenes for you guys yeah i think there's one big scene that we all can all agree on yeah the food bank yeah, yeah. that's uh amazing amazing writing and amazing acting from Haley squires yeah and that's that's seeing people at their lowest, I think, that I haven't seen in a film before. Yeah, and uh, so this is in this. Well, I mean, if you're listening to this section of the show, you've seen See the it. film. Um, but you know the the scene where both of them go to a food bank and they're walking around, and um, Katie is filling up shopping bags for food for the kids, and um, then just she's just p- possessed. She loses control of her body and her mind, and just ha- uh, you know pours out the spaghetti in her hands and just starts eating it raw from her hand and she just doesn't know what happened why it happened she's just completely overwhelmed by hunger and poverty mm. that was a, that was the most emotional scene I thought as well it was very very hard to watch that scene because you don't often see people at that level of vulnerability as uh, you know that she just had absolutely no control of herself and it's so humiliating for her and it's so difficult for us to watch I almost had to turn away yeah and uh, earlier in that scene actually has probably um, one of the most hard-hitting lines of the whole film 
It's just she's walking around the food bank and she just kind of whispers to the lady that's helping her saying, do you have any sanitary towels? Yeah. It's not something I'd thought about before, but it's... They tackled that issue very well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That was one of... like, Like we talked about some of the dialogue being a bit off and a bit soundbitey. And that just felt so intimate yeah. and personal and just... And sh- real. And, yeah, and sharing that in a public space as well. You can tell to what level she's been brought down to. It just strips away all of your dignity and, you know, you, got, you don't have, can't afford to have any pride in this situation. Yeah. Um, well, they were uh, they had the premiere in London on um, Wednesday night and um, like they, they came, they did the red carpet with kind of facts and statistics based on events in it in the film and um, the one that Hayley Squires was carrying was that one in four single mothers has gone without food to feed her children and so we were saying like there's stuff in this that feels a bit melodramatic and a bit like taking people to their lowest mm. point to really ram the point home but that's a quarter of that that's of single yeah, mothers definitely. so it's not actually that lower demographic no not at all so uh, we talked a lot about how kind of points in the film are very hard to watch because they're so real and just completely depressing to us but there's also a lot of hopeful moments in the film a lot of uplifting moments there's a lot of sort of smaller characters so like there's one woman in the benefits office who really wants to help daniel Anne, lovely Anne, Anne. lovely Anne. and then um when hey um katie attempts to steal from the shop the manager lets her off lets her take the thing she's stolen and even the scene that I really liked, I don't think you were quite on the same page, is the graffiti scene. Yeah. I thought that was a really nice moment. I like Blake I liked Blake doing the graffiti and just sitting there. Yeah. Because he throughout this film he has been this silent stoic pro- uh protester mm-hmm. and he only speaks in that moment when people actually come up to him. And he's sitting there and like uh, he says what he's done and why. And I liked him in that scene. I just didn't like the guy that's shouting afterwards yeah that felt very much fed in the kind of anti-tory in duncan smith chat which is you know valid valid points to be raising but it felt like it those words were just put in that man's mouth rather yeah. than it being natural well it because it seemed like he he seemed like a, a real person that ha- was actually not supposed to be in the film yeah yeah that he just sort of wandered into this situation and thought it was real and just sort of almost drunkenly sort of shouted rambled but yeah. I liked that because it felt real yeah I mean that scene really blurred the line between this and documentary <laughs> mm-hmm. because mm. there were shots that you would just have I was questioning how this was being made uh, yeah. because it felt so like a hidden camera or something it felt just like watching like that Daniel Blake was doing this thing they might just have had one camera guy and it looked like he was just filming this guy doing graffiti mm. and the rest of the street hadn't been closed off and people were hollering and cheering because it felt like that. It felt like you were in this situation and you were an onlooker. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, one issue that I did have is that I didn't like the kind of demonisation of the call centre workers or the job centre workers. Did you think they were being demonised? Other, like- other than Anne... See, I didn't necessarily have a problem, I didn't have a problem with, with them. And because I don't necessarily feel like it was their fault, you know, it felt kind of Orwellian with this, like, the decision maker. And it, it felt like they were kind of powerless. They need a job too, you know. Who really wants to be doing yeah, that Yeah, but job? Th- this was it. Like, I didn't get the impression that anyone was saying that they're just doing their job as well, other than Anne, who is this, like, saintly figure. 
Like that, I just felt yeah. You've got Anne versus Sheila. Yeah, and like Dawn Sheila and the the, <laughs> the Sheila character and the manager character, they just came off with a disdain for Blake. And I agree that um, this is part of the system, and that actually they have just been trained and managed to ultimately have the opinion that what Blake is doing is bad. Yeah, but I, for me, because. I don't know because I did work in a call centre for three years like, mm-hmm. and I was on the other end of that kind of thing and it was just frustrating um, I know it's frustrating for the person calling up but it's so bad to be like because when you when someone does get through that has been in a queue for an hour and a half yeah like I'm just thinking I've, I feel terrible for the person that's got to answer mm. that phone because you know all they're going to get is just an earful. Yeah. But I do also think, you know, the people in the job centre, they they have to deal with, you know, like this, we're saying, is that Daniel Blake is one in, in thousands of yeah. people. That, you know, they're dealing with this all the time. Can they really care about every single exactly. case? Yeah. How are they making yeah. it through the day? Yeah. And so I didn't necessarily think that the film was trying to paint them as bad people. Yes, it's, it's frustrating from Daniel's point of view. Yes, it's frustrating. But actually, I didn't even think that he was that angry with the people there. It's, it's above that. It goes yeah. way further. Yeah, and they've been trained to have a detachment. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I really, I thought those scenes in the um, benefits office were really well done, actually. With all the, you go there and there's the same people still there. Um, yeah, and at one point yeah. Blake stands up and another kind of portly gent who also has a bald head and similar <laughs> coat sits in the same seat. Yeah, nice little touches like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so should we wrap it up there? Yeah. Um, final thoughts on the film, then, guys. Do make the effort to watch this. I know a lot of the time, uh, if a Ken Loach film comes out, um, like we've said this before, it's I like, yeah, wouldn't I would ro- probably wouldn't have um, chosen to go and see this. Yeah, this isn't a blockbuster that you're going to go yeah. for some escapism. But, but do, I'm glad I have seen it. Yeah, yeah, it's a very difficult film, but I think it's really important that you watch it. You're not really going to enjoy the experience of watching it, but I think that it's, it's important that you see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, talk about it. And if you. Uh, do get a uh, taste for Ken Loach's uh, films after seeing this. Uh, if you go on Curzon Home Cinema, Spirit of 45 and Root Irish are both on there, along with Versus, the documentary that came out earlier this year about Ken Loach. Uh, and another big thank you to CSR for letting us use their studio once again. So, uh, that's goodbye from Jenna. Bye. Goodbye from Jake. Bye. And goodbye from me. See you next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.